Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as Mark Lemon Official on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I speak with fashion expert, musician, and proud husband and father, Giles Farnham. Giles speaks to me about the death of his mum and how it shaped his outlook on life. You can find Giles on Instagram as Giles Farnham. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so as mentioned in my introduction, today's guest is someone that I have connected through a mutual friend, um, someone that was a fantastic guest on the podcast before, and that's Jesse James Wood, and it's Giles Farnham. How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, good. Feeling uh, pretty relaxed over the last six weeks of lockdown. Well, that's a lie, actually. Relaxed and slightly stressed because of the kids. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, I can completely understand with that one. But look, for the listeners, do you want to just give uh, yourself a, a bit of an introduction as to who you are and what you do and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, um, Giles. Uh, I used to be in a band many moons ago called The Vibrance, uh, but I work in fashion and I have done for the last 25 plus years. And that kind of uh, is a huge kind of passion of mine, um, kind of following through from the music. It kind of, you know, those two things connect really well. And I kind of always kept a career going while I was in the band within the fashion world. So once the band finished, it was only kind of right. That was my direction. Okay. And obviously for, you know, the reason we're talking today is uh, regarding grief. Would you be able to share the listeners just about your own experience with grief, please? Yeah. um, I uh, lost my mother three years ago, the end of this month, 30th of May. And it was something that, you know, came as a bit of a shock, surprise. She was unwell for two and a half years, pretty much. And, you know, no one knew what it was, but she was going for many tests. And progressively over those two and a half years, two years, two and a half years, she she got worse, but then got better and got worse. And life moves on. She kind of spoke to me about tests that she was going to have, et cetera, but never really went into detail. And, you know, with a young family, you kind of have to, you're, you're consumed by that. So if you assume that everything seems okay, you kind of, you know, check in, speak every day, um, which I did. Uh, and it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't until I went away. My mother used to travel quite a bit and she always loved to be in the sun. And it wasn't until she invited me and Sarah and, and Marlo at the time in January 2017 to, to go and see her in South Africa, where she got a place out there 
in Cape Town for a month. And we went out there for a week, so a week of, of that month she was away, and she, she'd had different people come and visit her with around that. And that's when I kind of so I saw her and I suddenly realized she's not great. And if she doesn't know what it is, what is it? And, you know, she was still pushing herself to be normal. When we arrived there, it was just kind of really apparent that her kind of weight loss, she'd gone through things where she was, she gluten dairy free, you know, she gluten intolerant or dairy free. And she did all of that. And me and Sarah, while we were away with her that week, made sure that we were cooking her all the food that she, you know, apparently needed at that time for whatever doctor would have said, you know, whatever kind of professional would have said to her what it could be because her weight loss was kind of a, a significant thing and she was becoming increasingly more tired, but still, still no answers why this was happening, but she remained kind of positive to me at least. And, uh, you know, I, I'm her only child. So, uh, you know, thinking back at it now, I just think that that was her kind of, reasoning behind it must have been that she just didn't want to say what she might have thought and then you know as i remember one night when we were there we me and sarah went out and she stayed in and looked after Marla. we yeah. went for a quick drink came back my mother had fallen asleep on on the sofa and her breathing was was like she was on a machine because she was finding it really difficult to breathe and i just i'd rung my stepfather the next morning and i said i didn't realize mum was that bad and he said tell me about it I've been living mm. it with it for the last two years. And I didn't really respond to that. And I just thought, okay, well, in my head, I thought, why, why haven't you told me that you've been doing that for the last two years? And so that kind of sat there. And then we left uh, other people come February and March, went through April. I saw her. And I remember the last time I saw her was, was May the 6th, which I've got in my calendar is written, the last time I saw you smile. And so that's a, that's a significant date to me because I remember being in Chiswick, gone for lunch, Chiswick High Road. I, I could see my mum was trying to tell me something. There was something there. There was a feeling. And but I still, you know, there was still medically no answers of anything, to my knowledge. You know, I, I, I remember telling her that that day, listen, she used to look after my daughter once a week. I remember telling her, you can't do it because she used to come over whatever day of the week it was and... And I'd, she'd get there and, I, and Sarah would have left already. I'd be ready to run out of the house. And she'd go, what time are you going to be home? I said, I don't know. I said, I've got to go though, mum. She goes, I'm not feeling too great today. And I said, oh, you can't mm. tell me that. So I'd always leave running out of the house with a huge amount of guilt, but then end up calling her probably 10 times throughout the day to see if she's okay. And her response would be, well, of course I am. I'm fine. You know, don't worry about me. But it was, you know, the fact that she'd said that. But and the, the, the most, like I said, the most significant thing was her breathing. And then May the 6th, you know, I'd said to her, don't push yourself. Don't look after Marla. But she was adamant. She didn't want to not see her granddaughter. Actually, this time she actually said, okay, no, I probably won't. And then I was away with work, not out of the country, but up north. And I hadn't seen her, but we'd been in touch. And, and since January, actually, when we went away to South Africa with her, I'd called her every day. And I'd say, how are you today? And she'd either say, I'm up today or I'm feeling better. Or I knew something that told me in South Africa that something wasn't right. It wasn't a cancer. It wasn't, you know, any of those the things that we kind of, it, that's apparent to everybody in terms of the diseases that kind of take us away and take our loved ones or whatever else it might be. You know, your head goes around in circles kind of questioning what it, what it could be, but, you know, we're not doctors. And then 
I remember it being, I'd, I'd been up and down to Liverpool and I hadn't seen her uh, and I was conscious of that. And I remember it coming up to the, to the bank holiday weekend where we are now, but the latter part of it, um, so at the end of the month. And it, 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 I was going to meet some friends with Sarah and Marlo in, in Chiswick for lunch. And I'd said to her, we'll, we'll come over after that. And I'd called her, this was on the Sunday. And then on the Monday morning, the bank holiday Monday, she called me and left a message saying, call me as soon as you can. And I said, okay. And she just said, listen, I'm not feeling great today. I could just about walk properly um, yesterday, which then I'm like, okay. And she said, I'd just rather Marla not see me like this. And then that, I said, all right. And she goes, but just give me a call later. And I said, okay. And she'd never not want to see her granddaughter. The opportunity of us going over, you know, me and Sarah are very busy at the weekends. You kind of want to arrange things or you're going to see people or whatever it might be, but she'd never not miss an opportunity to see her granddaughter. And um, that was, that, that stuck with me for the day. I questioned it a lot. I literally was seconds away from her, but, you know, I discussed it with Sarah and my wife and she said, look, if your mum doesn't want to see us, then that's what she wants. I said, okay, you're right. And then cut to Tuesday, walking to work, give her a call in the morning. She doesn't answer her mobile. That's not necessarily an unusual thing. And I would have called her later on that day. But then something, I was standing on the platform at the station and something just urged me to call the house phone. And I called the house phone and my stepfather picked up and usually he would have left left the house. and 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 then I heard this, noise beeping in the background and I was like what is that and he said it's not good news your mother's gone and the feeling when I talk about it was just I don't I can't even explain it because it's like your whole body drops and your whole body just drops to the floor you don't know what the hell's going on (laughs) If, if you know you feel like you're flying to an extent um, it's all, you know, and so literally I just hung up, I think, and, and ran back home from the station and Sarah happened to be off that week. I, ju- I dropped Marlo off at nursery. We jumped in the car from where we lived is 10 minutes, but it felt like ages. And it was like a movie scene with turning up at the house with about three ambulances and five police cars outside running into the house, jumping out of the car, running down the street. I mean, it just didn't feel real because the suddenness of the fact that I remember speaking the day before and you're kind of, you you know, you never want to wish anything with death, but you hope that you can be there for somebody on some journey. And all these emotions were coming to me saying, I haven't been there. And I've known a few things, but I haven't been there. And my stepfather just looked like he was total shock, obviously. Hugged him, ran upstairs. They, the police wouldn't let me into the room because it was uh, sudden death. So I had to wait until they examined the room. And then I it was in the room and she was on the floor at the end of her bed because my stepfather had tried to resuscitate her. And that's where she, she was. And it was kind of, it was really, that's where my emotion had gone then at that point. And then, you know, you go into hyper mode and, and try and, and start telling people, organizing things. And, you know, there was, but there was still no understanding of what it was, what it, you know, was that she died of. But yeah, in the process of that and everything within that first few months, 
the funeral was a couple of months later because not until after the funeral we found out 95% could have been or was ended up being a neurological disease which was the deterioration of her her body and and, and where it was in the throat and her breathing and it's an under-researched disease you know um, there's multiple different versions of it but it's an under-researched disease and you don't find out until the person is is you know either surpasses the two-year um living with it and that can happen then you end up in a, in a worse state and wheelchair bound and on a breathing apparatus yeah. and everything so if i think to that point i'm glad that my mum, mother didn't end up like that mm. because i'm not sure i would have been able to cope with it nor than my my stepfather but um from the grief point of view, which I kind of told you the detailed story of that journey, I'm not sure where I feel because there are many different compl- complicated issues that have kind of come around within that time since it's over the last significantly mm. two years, and we're coming up to three years this month, end of this month. The funeral was, was an event. You know, I, I arranged it as my mother would have wanted. But it was a lot, there was kind of real happiness and 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 laughter and i was just flying around because i was like flying around like some which yeah. i do which is partly yeah. what i do for my job some event organizer and it, it kind of all of it kind of surpassed you know went past me in a flash mm. until that evening where i just yeah. was I, I walked home on my own and just took everything in but it still was a huge amount of shock and i think you know i if I'm honest with you, I don't know if I've grieved yet. I've talked about it a couple of times recently in the interviews I've been doing this new series, you know, obviously in the time that we're in and those that are dealing with grief at the moment and how it's just given you space to, like you said earlier, sort of think and look at perspective. Um, yeah. And I think that, yeah, that is one thing that we can take from this quite an intense situation that we're all in. But um, Yeah, but, you know, yeah. it's time. Mm. Um, right now we've got time on our side. And if we could create more time, which I think we will be able to, and I think that, you know, that is something that, you know, is so important to everyone. But we, we kind of don't make space for it sometimes because we've always got to be charging on. And, mm. you know. To repeat the time that we're having with our families, for those that do have kids and and partners, it mm. is pretty incredible. As much as the fact that you, you there might be some snapping and um, losing <laughs> your shit at the best of times, <laughs> because it becomes quite intense. Yep. There is something magic about being able to spend time together. Oh, definitely. And, and as a father, as a father, you just don't, you don't, you know. I, I'm. I just want to see my kids smile. And and be happy yeah. and enjoy enjoy this their childhood and and be part of that. Absolutely. And I think do you know what my wife turned around to me the other day and she was like, "You know, the kids are going to remember this moment because they have, you know, we've managed to spend so much time together and." yeah which is rare because you know yeah. when you think about it you know nine till three or whatever the kids well my kids you know or they're at nursery you know yeah you don't see them for that that's such a chunk and mm. so yeah however much we we do lose our shit 
we've got got to appreciate this moment i think yeah what what things are helping you through at the moment obviously music is a big part of something that you enjoy and you know again it's a release but um have you got anything that you found really useful for you yeah i think as much as i'm loving lockdown the difficulty for me is i love to be around people Mm. and to talk to talk about anything really and you know i like to listen to people and to support and help them and mm. that's what i'm missing but actually what's, help, what's what's helping is that actually as much as i'm missing it i'm actually trying to do it more because what we've also noticed is that people are communicating more than they would and what's amazing is that i'm able to talk to friends that i haven't spoken to for a long time and actually spend time talking to them Mm. and finding out about them or listening to what they're going through and and trying to help them and that is kind of really cathartic for me in terms of of my anxiety and what you feel what you're feeling currently or what you felt over a period of time and Mm. that is you know your friendships and your group of friends are a huge help especially mine in terms of getting through those 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 days on when you feel a bit down or or, or you're thinking negatively in whatever in whatever aspect that might be and I, you know i have a i can count those people on my on one hand who i reach out to mm. you know every week whether it's mm. a text message or whether it is a phone call or what we're doing now is house party also the good thing about that is that you you're speaking to people that are probably going through a similar thing well, look, I've got a perfect next question. It's kind of leading me nicely into, um, are you happy to share three things about your mum that make you smile when you think of her? Yeah. The first thing is the fact that love that she had for her, her granddaughter and because she always wanted me to have a child. And as much as I got you know, annoyed as most parents do with mother-in-laws or parents um, wanting to smother the grandchildren, it just something that was something that made her shine and so mm. happy and you know we found out the the week before she died that sarah was pregnant with our son who's now two phoenix so and she never knew that and she would have loved to have known that so my mm. kids one being marlo is, is one of those things that just kind of she would do would have done anything um her music taste was something to be questioned, but, you know, <laughs> no disrespect to James Blunt, but Bonfire Heart was one of her favorite <laughs> songs. And I play that to myself on my headphones so that no one else can hear. But that's something that I'll listen to just to go, I can, I can see her dancing around the kitchen to mm. Bonfire Heart. And that makes me really smile mm. and um, feel kind of a, a weight lift when I think of it. And, and I really try and have that picture as well with that memory, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Music's really powerful, isn't it, for that? Yeah. And it's something that, yeah, I, you know, I have to go into music to really kind of to get my emotions out. You know, it's, that is one important thing to me is listening to music to kind of feel a lot of emotion. I mean, mm. and, and I, I don't know how I'd survive without that. And then also just her lust 
for life. You know, my mother came over to to the UK, to England, when she was 17, 18 years old from South Africa with two of her sisters and, and one of her brothers and, and the success that, successes she had from coming, you know, with nothing to being able to do what she did and travel the world and, and do and just bring joy. She just brought a lot of, she cared a lot about people. And I think I, I can say that I get that trait from her because I just give a lot of time to people and, and she gave a hell of a lot of time to people to make sure that they're okay. And especially to me. And I think back at it and it just, and that was, that's what makes me sad as well. Because she, I think back to everything that I might have ignored, which I did ignore, but not, not, you know, that I wanted to. It just was one of the things that I just didn't, I took for granted. And going back to your thing about fatherhood is that I don't want to have my children miss out on anything or miss out on, on, on memories with, with me. Mm. And I yeah. think, yeah, her energy and her love. Yeah. Because that's, that's, a, you know, that I was, I was extremely close to her. My mother was like my father and my father's like, my, you know, my mum, he's a big softy. Whereas my mum was the, was the, was the hard one, but she also was <laughs> very caring and loving. I guess as a as a as a member, that's what I like to think of. You know, she 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 always used to say, "Oh, you get that from me." They're amazing three things. Um, so we're now going to move into some questions from the children at Winston's Wish, the children's bereavement charity. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first question is, how do you make yourself feel happy when you're feeling sad? Do you know what? And what I've been doing through this lockdown is dancing, whether it is on my own or with the family, which I'm finding it very hard to get, get it under control with the family. But we always dance, at least if it's 15 minutes in the evening before they go to bed. Yeah. You know, we always dance. And after we turn the music up loud, it may be Justin Bieber. It may be a bit of looser. But if you, it's after a long day and whatever thoughts you have going through your head, it just kind of lifts completely. And it does. And it really has, through this time, mm. helped me. Well, do you know what the next, I mean, the next question is what piece of music reminds you of your mum? And I guess, you know, we have to. Just, yeah. just I mean, there are that. many, that, that is, that is something, that's just kind of something that's quite tongue in cheek and funny, but music's so important to me that, you know, she listened to a lot of, of um, classical music when I was growing up and, and um, someone's recently introduced me to a particular artist, a classical artist. And I've been listening to a lot of that, and it kind of makes me think of of her. And um, yeah, that's that's the sort of music that will remind me of her because she used to sit and read a book and listen to classical music. Nice, yeah. Do you know what classical music reminds me of? My dad too. It's sort of, I just picture him doing his crossword with his headphones on, even though it's not yeah. like a genre of music I would normally go to. Yeah. But strangely, now I kind of would go to it, and I because it puts me in a headspace. Yeah, and that's that, that, yeah, and but it, and, yeah, I think it's 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 a helpful um, genre for many different um, people's feelings. You know, it, it mm. can make you feel happy, or it can bring you down where you need to go. Um, mm. You know, if you need to go yeah. to a space where you need to feel that emotion, that's what classical music can do without words. No, absolutely. 
And so my next question is, what do you do to remember your mum on important days like her birthday? Um, it's funny because, you know, we were talking about how fast-paced life is and sometimes those dates crop up and you forget if you haven't put it in your iCal or calendar or whatever it is. I kind of, I, I kind of, one of the things I do is go back to the house that my mother and father lived in and where I grew up just over Richmond Bridge and I, I, we kind of drive over there and I look at the house and I don't always do that but that's one of the things I, I, I do because that they were happy days and they're memories that I, I, they're, they're things that I have me- good memories of I stand outside that house and I think about it and I can start to picture stuff and of her standing on the front doorstep shouting me in to come back for dinner if I'd be outside playing and, 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 and that, that makes me feel kind of good. Or if I don't go there, then I think about that time and thinking about actually my mother looked after my grandmother who lived with her for about 15 years and my mum didn't work for a long period of time. What she did do was care for her mother for a very long time. And, and, and I think back to that, thinking how incredible she was to devote her time but she did, along with her sisters. But she, you know, because my grandmother lived. It's just one of those things. I think it's just. I go. I kind of wish I could have been there for her, um, but I, I wasn't given those answers. But that you know, her looking after her mother just shows the sort of person that she was. Okay. And the next one is: What three things are you most thankful for at the moment? You know, through this strange time that we're going through. My family, for sure. My kids that that, that keep me on my toes and, and, and focused. I think this, that, that, that's definitely number one on, uh, of the three. And um, I think, you know, just to be healthy, I've been trying to be more fit like everyone has at the moment and try and do exercise when there's a chance to do it without being distracted. But I think just I am feeling healthy and healthier than I used to be, although I am actually absolutely exhausted more than I've ever been. <laughs> so it contradicts it really, but <laughs> because, you know, this isn't normal for us to be 24-7. But I think, you know, the fact that, I, you know, I'm thankful for being healthy and yeah. that I'm keeping safe and that I have incredible friends around me that yeah. can be there to support me when I need and you know one of the things I, I, I that I do Mark is you know if someone doesn't answer I'll keep calling <laughs> and they know that and I'll keep calling and the response that sometimes they say is just thank you Giles for keep trying because I know that I forget when we do have that conversation it, it's a, quite a really amazing great conversation that we have mm-hmm. And they're, they're thankful, and I'm thankful that they finally answered the phone. Um, That's amazing yeah. you do that. I do, yeah, and I, it's, it's, I'm adamant, you know. I, I think to myself, do I just do it again within two seconds? Yeah, why not? So to answer it, the friends that I have that, that are around me, that support me, and that, that I love very much as well. Mm. Okay, so my last question is, and it's always a big one, but if you had sit down with your mum one last time, what do you think you might like to say to her? Um, I'd like to ask her, because now I think, no, I don't think, I know. I knew 
I know she knew she was dying. And I'd like to kind of find out why she didn't tell me. I mean, the obvious is there that I know why, because she didn't want to make me upset. But I'd like to know what it was. And I think that will hang over me for, for forever. That um, I didn't know. I'd like to tell her that I wish I'd, I, I was there for her. I'm not, I don't necessarily feel, because people say, don't feel guilty for that. And I don't. But I wish I'd given more time when I knew that was there. And I'd like to talk to her about, you know, what she was going through more because I really didn't know. And I'd just like to tell her that I wish I had the opportunity. And if I did have it, to tell her how much I loved her and how much she meant to me and, what, and how much support she gave to me. Because I felt, if I look back at it, that because she knew she was dying, she was finishing stuff off. She was making things good really kind of simple things is she finished she was still doing stuff to her house because there was one room left to finish decorating or whatever but she did it three days before she passed she had the builders in and decorators you know she supported me and my family a great deal with with our house over the time that she was unwell and uh, just the fact that I'd love to tell her that I loved her and how much I did. I think that's that's what we'd all want, isn't it? I guess just to sit yeah. down and say that we love them. Yeah. And time is such a, a small thing, isn't it? But it means the world to us. But Giles, I just want to say a huge thank you for sharing your story. I know it wasn't easy and you know, I always say that our grief is individual and we all deal with it in our own way. But uh, yeah, the way that you've shared your story today has been amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. And, you know, this is, yeah, I can honestly say it's been really helpful to talk about it because there are things that, you know, like I said, I, I store and I don't think I need to store anymore. I think I just need to let go. 